Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves, and we all know what happens to sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they are still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. I want to welcome you. This is Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to our show today. We're very excited about what we have to bring to you today. We're going to hear from Grace Taylor, one of our relatively new Voice of the Martyrs employees. We're going to talk about how she first heard about Voice of the Martyrs, how she became involved in the ministry even before she became an employee. I think you'll enjoy hearing her story. Then we're going to hear firsthand account of what it means when you're in prison and people start to send letters to you. People start to send letters of encouragement. We're going to hear from Dmitry Shestikov, a former prisoner for Christ uh, in what used to be the Soviet Union. Finally, as we wrap up today, we're going to talk to Anna. She is the wife of one of our VOM international workers, and I think you'll really appreciate her perspective on what it means to serve the Lord through the Voice of the Martyrs ministry and how he called her and called their whole family into this ministry. So we're very excited to have you along today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, let's get started. I'm really happy to have Grace Taylor in the studio with us today. Grace, I know something that you've been involved in, even before you worked at Voice of the Martyrs, was writing letters to Christians in prison. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, because you were pretty young at the time. That's right, Todd. I grew up getting the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. My parents always had it on their coffee table. And I remember digging a little deeper and finding out, wow, not only can I read about these prisoners, what's going on with them, but I can write them a letter. And I think I was only about maybe 15 or 16 at the time. I got online. I was able to write a letter to a prisoner in Iran at the time, able to translate phrases into his language. And, you know, for me, even at a young age, as a teenager, that made me really feel like I was making a difference in his life. For someone I might never meet, might never get to talk to, but maybe I could play a small part in encouraging him, even in the trying time that he was going through. What did that do? Because you're 15 or 16 years old, um, never been to Iran, I'm assuming. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did that do to your prayer life, though, the, the fact that this was somebody who you'd written a letter to? It definitely increased my prayer life. You know, I remember reading the Jesus Freaks book that Voice of the Martyrs did in collaboration with DC Talk, and those things would lead me to pray for the individuals, for the stories I read about. But having something where you know you personally actually wrote a letter to that person, they're in that cell right now at this moment, that made a huge difference. I think it increased my fervorance for prayer. It increased um, just me knowing even how to pray a little bit better because I was personally impacted by that. I think one of the things about writing letters is that connection. Suddenly, this is not just some guy off in Iran in prison. This is a guy I'm writing letters to. This is, you know, Certainly. my pen pal, so mm -hmm. to speak. Let's talk a little bit more because you mentioned something. Your parents had the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter right. on the coffee table. Uh, you're 15 years old. Did you read it? I mean, were you drawn to it every month? Is it something you occasionally picked up or was this really something that really grabbed your attention? You know, 
I'll be honest, it didn't really grab my attention until probably I hit my teen years. And then I remember picking it up for the first time and reading a story about Sudan, actually. And from then on, anytime the newsletter came, I wanted to see if there was a story about Sudan. I wanted to see what's happening with Sudan, what's going on. And then it kind of expanded to, let's see what else is going on in Africa. Before I knew it, I wanted to read all the stories because you find out your church is so much bigger than you thought it was. And there's people all around the world who have this phenomenal faith. And, you know, especially... Even as a teenager, you're trying to live out your faith every day, and you want to know you're not alone, and you want to know there's people who know that this thing is worth fighting for. And so those stories, even for a young person, were extremely inspirational. What are some of the other things that you were involved with? We mentioned reading the newsletter and writing letters, but before you came to work at VOM, because obviously now you're involved in a lot of stuff every single day, but what were some of the other stuff you did before you worked here uh, to kind of further that ministry to the persecuted church? Certainly. You know, it was even Voice of the Martyrs that led me to any kind of interest in working overseas, and I was able to take mission trips throughout my college years. And I even remember my first time in Uganda meeting Christians who the Muslims in their area had treated them really poorly. And I remember praying with a Christian in Morocco on another mission trip inside a van in secret. I just remember... I knew a little bit about that because of the voice of the martyrs, and it just increased my excitement for the way God is moving all around the world um, in ways that we would never even imagine would be possible. So let me ask you a question, and you may not want to answer this question, but what have you learned about Voice of the Martyrs now that you work here? Are there some things that have really surprised you or some things that you've said, wow, you know, or some other on the other side of the coin, Uh things that you're like, oh, yeah, I knew that would be the case because I've read the newsletter for years. Mm -hmm. I think from having experience with some different nonprofits and then coming to work at Voice of the Martyrs, something I've been really impressed with is they really are who they say they are. I mean, growing up reading the newsletter, reading their resources and their books, and then coming here and working with people who they truly have a heart for the persecuted church. This isn't just a job for the people who work at Voice of the Martyrs. They feel called to do this. They know they're making a difference. And then now I have the privilege of reading these stories, not just on a monthly basis, but really on a daily basis. And no, not all the stories have happy endings. They don't all have these incredible testimonies. But every day I'm reminded of how God is moving his church and how his church is growing in some of the most restricted nations in the world. And so I think that that's something as an employee now of Voice of the Martyrs I've been really blessed by. I think that's great. Every day, I think it's a blessing to come to work here. I I tell people I love my job four out of every five days. That's right. Nobody else can beat that ratio, so Mm -hmm. uh, we all ought to be thrilled. Grace, I want to thank you for sharing your personal experiences with letter writing. And we have got a great story that we're going to share about a prisoner who got those letters and what happened in the prison. We're going to move into that after this break. After serving 10 months in Iran's Avin prison, Christians in Iran and throughout the world were excited to learn that Mustafa Mohammad Bordbar won his appeal. His conviction was overturned, and he was released on November 3, 2013. Mustafa, a Christian convert from Islam, was arrested on December 27, 2012, for attending an illegal gathering and participating in a house church. In July, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Mustafa's lawyer appealed a conviction, and the court withdrew all charges in a hearing on October 30th. Today, more than 40 Christians are being held for their faith in prisons throughout Iran. To learn what it means to be a Christian in Iran and more than 50 other nations, subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs free monthly newsletter at 875-VOICE. That's 875-V-O-I-C-E. 
Call 875-VOICE. The Voice of the Martyrs is a Christian nonprofit organization. One of the things that our mission has always been about, even from the very first days, is writing letters to Christians in prison for their faith. In fact, if you come and visit us here at VOM headquarters, and I hope you will, we have a little museum space that traces back some of the history of Christian persecution and the history of VOM's work. And in that museum, you can see how important letter writing was to Pastor Richard Wormbrand and Sabina, his wife, VOM's founders. Keep in mind that Pastor Wormbrand was himself a former prisoner for Christ. So he knew firsthand what a letter meant when you're a Christian in jail for your faith. And in our museum space, you can see a list of dozens of Soviet prisoners, all typed up from 1970. It shows the name of the prisoner and how old they are and what they're charged with and how long their prison sentence is. So even from the first days of VOM's work, we've encouraged Christians here in the U.S. to write letters to those brothers and sisters in prison for their faith in hostile and restricted nations. But this raises a question, and it's a question that we hear quite a bit, and it's a fair question. It goes something like this. I know y'all tell us to write letters to prisoners, but seriously, do they even deliver mail in Pakistan? And if they do deliver the mail, does, does anyone care? Does anyone even read the letters? Does it actually make a difference? That's a fair question. Does letter writing really make a difference? And I want to give you an answer to that question today, but it's not an answer for me. In fact, I want to let someone with firsthand experience, like Richard and Sabina Wormbrand had, I want to let him answer the question. Pastor Dmitry Shestikov spent four years in a labor camp in Uzbekistan. The government said his church group was illegal and had no right to meet together, and that he had no right to lead the group, and he certainly had no right to tell Muslims about Jesus Christ. Four years in a labor camp just for being a pastor. Pastor Shestikov is one of the prisoners that VOM encouraged our readers to write letters to. He's one of those that was listed on PrisonerAlert.com, the website set up to encourage letter writing. Today, Pastor Dimitri is out of the labor camp, thankfully, and back with his wife and three daughters. Not long ago, one of my coworkers was with their family, and they were talking about Dimitri's time in prison. Near the end of their time together, they had a video camera out, and my coworker asked Pastor Shestikov to record a thank you for the people that had written letters to him while he was in prison. Pastor Dmitri was speaking Russian, so what you're about to hear is the voice of a translator, but the words are coming directly from former prisoner for Christ in Uzbekistan, Pastor Dmitri Shestikov. The letters that you wrote, that was fantastic because the prison was getting the sacks full of letters. And when another sack was carried in, everybody knew that all those letters were for Shostakov. The head guard was constantly yelling profanities for all the letters that were addressed to me. I remember very well what happened when the first sack of letters came. The head of security department called me in. He was in shock. I saw the letters scattered around his entire office. I myself was shocked. 
He was looking at the addresses of the senders. America, Australia, he yelled at me, who are these people? I said, these are my brothers and sisters. Why are they writing to you? I said, I don't know, they're praying for me. Tell them to stop writing. I said, how can I stop them? Give me their addresses so I could write them. He kept yelling at me for some time after this. They did not give me any letters to read. Since that time, when another sack of letters for me would come, they would call me in and yell at me. But after they did not beat me as much as they used to before the letters began arriving, they began speaking with me more politely. On rare occasions, they even addressed me formally, which was unheard of among the prisoners who were charged under the same article of the criminal law. What you do is a huge blessing for us. Thank you very much. So we're looking at the question of whether or not Christians in the free world writing letters to our brothers and sisters in prison for their faith really makes a difference. And I want you to remember two things that Pastor Dmitry Shostakov said. First, that the letters were fantastic. Not just a little bit good, not just a slight encouragement. They were fantastic. I suspect there weren't a lot of fantastic things about being in an Uzbek labor camp for four years. But the letters that Christians from around the world wrote were fantastic. There's another thing he said, and I want to make sure you heard it. After the letters started coming, they beat me less. You see, these letters aren't just a spiritual blessing, although they are that. They're not just an encouragement, although they are that too. The letters make a very real practical difference in how the prisoner is treated. After the letters started arriving, they beat me less. So does writing letters really make a difference? Pastor Dmitry Shestikov in Uzbekistan says, yes, they do. But I want to suggest one more difference that letter writing makes. It's not just the difference that it makes for the prisoner. As vital and as real and as incredibly important as that difference is, letter writing also makes a difference for you. You see, when you write a letter, it makes that prisoner more real. It makes them more connected to you. It gives you a personal involvement, a personal stake in their case, and it will inspire and renew your prayers for that person. Does letter writing to Christians in prison for their faith really make a difference? Yes, absolutely it does. So how do you do it? I've already mentioned PrisonerAlert.com, which is one way for you to write letters. Go to PrisonerAlert.com, click on the box that says Write Letter. The website will walk you through the process. It even translates your letter into the language of the prisoner that you're writing to. While you're there, you can also click on the box that says Petition Official. This will lead you through to write an email to a government official in that nation where your Christian brother or sister is being held, and you can ask them to release the imprisoned Christian and remind them of your prayers for their nation. If you prefer pen and paper rather than a computer, we've got you covered there too. You can call VOM or go to vombooks.com and order a prisoner letter writing kit. 
These kits include profiles for eight different Christian prisoners, their prison address, and instructions on writing letters to them, along with special self-sealing international mailers for you to write on. Everything you need except the stamps. And each kit costs only a dollar. One buck profiles and information for writing to eight different prisoners overseas. I want to encourage you to write letters to Christians in prison, but more than that, I hope that Pastor Dmitry Shestikov has encouraged you. Go to PrisonerAlert.com and write a letter, or call VOM, or go to VOMBooks.com and order a prisoner letter writing kit. Start writing letters to Christians in prison and encourage your children to write, or your Sunday school class, or your Bible study group. I hope you'll remember Pastor Dimitri's words, the letters that you wrote. That was fantastic. We're going to go to our phone line now, and uh, I encourage you, if you have questions about Voice of the Martyrs ministry or ways that you can get involved, uh, give us a call on our phone line. We've got a call today from Ben in Arkansas. Let's listen to what Ben has to ask. Hello, this is Ben from Mountain Home, Arkansas. I'm interested in going with your VOM team members to help distribute action packs or other help to the persecuted church. How do I sign up for a missions trip with VOM? Ben, first of all, I want to say thank you for your willingness to serve. I love the fact that you desire to serve. You desire to serve not just here in the United States, but to serve overseas and particularly to serve the persecuted church. So I appreciate that, uh, and I, I thank you for calling and leaving that question and for your willingness I'm going to tell you, Voice of the Martyrs doesn't do missions trips. That's one of the things that is just not a part of our ministry. There's a lot of reasons for that. The biggest one is just the nature of our work going into hostile and restricted countries. It is dangerous work, and it's typically work where you don't want large teams of people going. So for that reason, we don't organize mission trips. We don't take people along with us generally on trips or on distributions like that. There's a lot of other organizations that do that, and uh, I would encourage you to work through your local church to make contact uh, with mission organizations that that they have connections with or or affiliations with and work towards that goal. Again, I want to encourage you, do go on a missions trip. Uh, Just unfortunately, it, it probably won't be with Voice of the Martyrs just because that is not really a significant part of our ministry. But thank you very much for calling Ben from Arkansas, and uh, God bless you. I hope he will open the door for you to be involved in a missions trip uh, in the coming months. We're going to take a break right there. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with some insight from one of my all-time favorite Jesus freaks. Thomas Aquinas, known for bringing reasoned thought to his Christian faith, was probably the most influential theologian in the Middle Ages. As witness to much persecution, he came to recognize that powerful statements of faith made by Christians as they were being executed were more than just the words of men or women. Aquinas said, words pronounced by martyrs before the authorities are not human words, the simple expression of a human conviction, but they are words pronounced by the Holy Spirit through the confessors of faith. So. Are you letting the Holy Spirit speak through you? How do you respond to the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. 
Welcome back again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. And uh, today we're joined by Anna. And Anna has a very unique perspective on the work of the Voice of the Martyrs because she is married to one of our international workers. She's married to uh, one of the men who travels into these hostile and restricted nations, goes to meet with persecuted Christians, goes to help, provide help, provide encouragement, and uh, help VOM to respond in the best possible way. So Anna, welcome to our studio. Thank you. It's good to be here. Let's talk a little bit about how God called you to work for Voice of the Martyrs, because I think uh, we think about the people who travel into the countries, but we don't always think about the spouses and the kids and the others who are behind and, and praying for them and commissioning them and sending them out into this work. How did that come about that you are involved in this work? Well, it took many years. Uh, I taught for almost 20 years, a public school teacher here, and God just started giving me this uneasiness in my heart, really feeling like I needed to be somewhere else. So I started praying on my way to work almost every day for five years. Wow. <laughs> Lord, want to be where you want us to be. And you think it's going to happen quickly, but I think he knew I needed five years to prepare. <laughs> we ended up having the opportunity to join Voice of the Martyrs, and we were blessed with the opportunity of either coming to Oklahoma or moving across the world. And we thought Oklahoma was going to be the place to go because we'd never been out of the country other than visiting. God had a different plan. <laughs> so we ended up moving overseas, two daughters who were on board. Our whole family agreed. We felt like we were called by God to do this. So we went over and were so blessed as a family. All four of us felt an incredible blessing and incredible opportunity for the entire family. Let's talk about the first time uh, that your husband got on an airplane to go across the sea while you guys were still here in the United States. What was that like for you? It was an incredible experience in that we knew God had called him for this, and we had a peace about it. It was difficult because we couldn't be in touch that often. So to not hear from him was difficult. And then one of the other most difficult things is when he is in a country that isn't the safest, uh, we can't talk. It's, how are you? Are you having fun? <laughs> you know. So how's the trip going? And I have to leave it at that. He knows that I want to ask more, but I can't. And he can only tell me usually, oh, we're having a great time. We're visiting with some friends. And we leave it at that and know we will hear more when he gets back. I think that's the classic uh, VOM communicate. Yeah, we're with friends. We're having a good time. Yes, <laughs> that's, yes. uh, makes for short phone calls, though. I know there's been some opportunities where you've traveled with him into some of these countries. What has that done for you or, or how has that affected your involvement and your heart for the work? Oh, in so many ways. It's just been an incredible experience for me to finally get to meet some of the people that he has talked about. They are amazing. I feel just meeting some of the people that we come alongside and support. I have been so challenged, convicted, inspired by each and every person that we've met in different ways. I tend to be more of a worrier, or I used to. Going into these countries that are a little on the dangerous side, my radar was up. But God just really gave me peace. And in the years that we've been there, I have much more peace as we go in, knowing we're in God's hands. And He's sovereign. He's given us brains to use. We need to be careful. But we also need to do the job that we have to do. So we step out in faith and pray for protection and pray that God would do what He needs to do in and through us. And we have had incredible trips 
Talk to me a little bit about those prayers, because I know once you go and sit down with the people that we serve, your prayers change. <laughs> it, it affects you. I think you start out, you know, with lack of knowledge, so real general. As you get to know these people and really realize what they're going through, you meet them, you hear their prayers. In hearing what they pray and what they're experiencing, the prayers become much more detailed, more personal, because um, they're no longer a sister or brother we support, but they're a friend that you've come to know and love. So you hurt a lot more for their hurts. You're more inspired by the things that they are going through. It's just a deeper prayer, a deeper feeling, and a deeper faith. My faith has grown incredibly with this job. And as I said earlier, I used to tend to be someone who was rather fearful. And in the last couple years, God has really removed that fear. We've had several really pretty scary situations on one flight that we should have crashed. And I had complete peace through the whole thing, just knowing that I was in God's hands and seeing the faith of the people that we're supporting. It can't do anything but inspire you and grow you. One of the things that we want to do on the VOM Radio Network is we want to encourage people and challenge them to pray for not only the persecuted church, but for VOM, for our ministry. As we think about your family and as we pray for your family, what are some things we can pray for for you guys? I think just that we continue to do what God has for us, continue to do His will. I pray nearly every day for my thoughts, my words, and my actions all of them to glorify and honor God. If we're in His will and we're doing what He wants and we're looking to Him for everything, uh, it's all good. Probably the most difficult thing is, is we're empty nesters now, and we are halfway around the world without any family and two daughters going to university. It's hard to be away, but we also have our daughter's support. They both grew up, spent some time there. They know that's where God's called us, and they are thrilled with what we're doing. They say, you're a long ways away, and we miss you, but you're where you're supposed to be, and it's good. And so I think the sacrifices are hard, but for the eternal rewards, the eternal perspective, the eternal value that we have in what we're doing, it has been the most precious thing I've ever done. Anna, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. I can hear your heart coming through, and I, I think you. our listeners can too. So thank you very much for sharing with us. Mm, you're welcome. It's been an honor. We're coming down to the end of our show today. Again, I want to thank you for being with us here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Uh, particularly today, I want to thank Grace Taylor for coming into the studio with us. Uh, I want to thank Anna for sharing her insights and her heart about what it means to serve the Lord through Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, finally, I want to thank Dmitry Shestikov. He probably won't hear this broadcast, but I, I do want to say thank you to him, not only for his faithful service to the kingdom, uh, but for being willing to share with us what a difference it made when those letters started coming. Again, I encourage you, go to prisoneralert.com, write a letter to those Christians who are still in those prisons. We'd also love your feedback about the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network, about this show. You can visit us online at vomradio.net, vomradio.net. If you missed a show earlier in the week, you can go there and listen to some of our past shows. Uh, you can catch up on what's going on on the radio program. We also want to hear your feedback, so uh, email us, radio at vom-usa.org, radio at vom-usa.org. Give us your insights, give us your responses, your reactions. We'd love to hear from you and be able to uh, 
hear how we're doing, hear what you'd like to hear more of, your comments and your feedback about the show. Uh, we would really appreciate that. So again, radio at vom-usa.org. And uh, our website is vomradio.net. As we wrap up the show today, I really want to leave you with uh, a piece of encouragement. Uh, this piece of encouragement comes not from me, but it actually comes from Jesus Christ. It's in John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Truly, we can be of good cheer today in spite of hardships, in spite of suffering, in spite of persecution, because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Be encouraged with that today, my friends, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. (laughs) 